Brett, welcome to the Commerce Talks show. Today, it's um, heavyweight weeks uh, in Commerce Talks about B2B. Yesterday, Kurt Anderson was my, um, was my guest and we talked about the B2B market in the US. Today, we talk about the B2B market on the other side of the planet. Uh, you are representing like the Australian B2B ecosystem. Um, maybe I'm overarching here, uh, but uh, before I'm doing that, please introduce yourself and the B2B e-commerce association. Yeah, uh, thanks, Alex. Uh, it's uh, really good to be here. Um, just let your listeners know to uh, forgive me if there's any uh, pauses or stuttering today. I'm dealing with a nine-month-year-old baby that uh, doesn't sleep very well, so running on a very um, low amount of juice right now. But yeah, Brett Sinclair, uh, founder of the B2B e-commerce association. So I've been working in the industry um, for nearly 15 years, uh, work with manufacturers and distributors in helping them enable uh, commerce experiences but I've you know I've, I've worked right across the the ecosystem from being on the client side to the implementation of, of platforms and on the technology vendor side so I've, I've got a, um, a fair amount of perspective um, a across the industry but yeah I launched the b2b e-commerce association two years ago and it was really built around um, you know originally my thinking was around um, helping educate um, you know manufacturers and distributors and the leadership within those companies around what is it fundament what are the fundamentals for success um, in e-commerce in the context of a manufacturer and distributor and then I was kind of looking at the ways that you know the retail the online retail community had been organized over the past sort of decade and there was a lot of alumni that had been created and networking groups that had been created um particularly down here but I know that there's several of them across the world and uh, Kind of came to the, the the epiphany around you know bringing together the b2b commerce community um into a central place to start to have a conversation and bring the vendors and the various parties um into the same room so we can all start to learn off each other build networks and create opportunities yeah and and i, I saw on your linkedin profile you're in the market like for e-commerce now for i don't know um a long time like over 10 12 years you've worked for um intershop uh which is also like an e-commerce vendor you've worked for adobe magento um and if i remember correctly uh the discussions 10 10 years ago usually b2b was not the big topic on the vendor side it was rather focused on b2c features how can we how can we integrate like a better search capability how how will the product detail page look nicer and usually the critique from the b2b manufacturers was that is not what we want we have very very different um challenges but the b2c market was growing so fast so most of the vendors were focusing on on uh, on b2 on, B, on on b2c what, what what have you seen there because you've represented some some vendors uh um, for a couple for a couple of years so how close are the vendors from yesterday and today's vendors um how close are they uh to the B2B requirements? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I was pretty lucky in my career because, um, you know, I landed at uh, at Intershop quite early on and I kind of fell into it a little bit um, based on where I'd come from. I'd started out in the online retail sector and kind of learned a lot about, you know, um, that, that direct-to-consumer um, experience and online marketing and those types of operations. And, you know, I landed at Intershop and, um, you know, the origins of Intershop uh, had traditionally been um, a lot of B2B companies that they'd been working with for a long time um, in Europe. And they, and, you know, we had a lot of um, 
you know, which is un uncommon at the time, really in Australia, we had a, a nice portfolio of, of customers that were B2B focused. Uh, so I got a lot of exposure um, early on into that category around, you know, what are the, the complexities and the challenges that you have in implementing e-commerce um, in a B2B environment. And a lot of it is about, you know, change management. Um, and it, it's an interesting company um, because I still have some contacts there that I, you know, stay, stay, stayed in touch with and, and, I, and I've worked with them at other places along the journey. And we still actually talk about, um, you know, that question around what, what has changed. Um, you know, I think that, that there's been a lot of change. Um, and obviously the last two years, there's been a, um, a realization that there needs to be um, a significantly um, larger investment into um, their B2B e-commerce experience and the foundations, um, oh, a lot of the foundations need to be rebuilt to support um, those, you know, self-service experiences. But a lot of the challenges that I was working on, you know, seven, eight, nine, even 10 years ago are still there today. Um, the conversation hasn't moved as much as what people would think um, in a lot of scenarios for B2B companies. And, and I talk about that more around, you know, um, having really, you know, robust product data, um, having the right people in the right seats, understanding, you know, the impacts that implementing a commerce system is going to have upstream and downstream um, of in, in your business um, that stakeholder management um, required. So um, there's a lot of things that, you know, the things are moving quickly and people have made that realization around that this is now core business um, for, for any B2B company to have a, a digital experience or a self-service experience, but um, there's still, you know, very low levels of maturity and areas where people need to catch up, um, particularly in this market. Mm. And and um, uh, can you describe a bit the Australian B2B market? So people from the European ecosystem definitely think about B2B more about the um, uh, continental part of Europe, the middle uh, the, uh, in Austria, Germany, B2B is very strong. Uh, with Kurt yesterday, I've learned that uh, over 80% or 75% of all B2B companies are rather small. So most of the manufacturers do have like 10, 20, maybe 30 people. So specialized on like one or two parts in the supply chain. How does it look in Australia? Yeah, it's um interesting market. You've sort of got your, your sort of big enterprise end of town with a lot of the, the global brands um, that are, you know, B2B companies across, you know, all the, all the classical sectors that Uh, you would expect, and they have different operating models depending on uh, the type of um, structure that they have. So some of them are kind of running independently somewhat in their own um, businesses, business models um, in the Australian market where others are more closely tied uh, to the global um, HQ um, and a lot of the decisions around technology and how they're structured um, and what they're investing in is being driven down from from headquarters, um, like I'm sure, you know, at Spryker, they have some of those implementations where, you know, the, the, the platform um, is being built out of a certain region and, you know, you'll, you'll hand down into a region like Australia, here is what you get. These are the, these are the tools you can't change too much. If you want to change something, you'll, you'll head, you know, you have to ask the head office to, to put, or you put a request in and you hope it kind of gets done. Um, and then you've kind of, You've got this other distribution market. So I guess because Australia, Australia is so far away, um, there's a lot of um, distributors um, in region that are um, have the licenses for a number of brands and they may be selling into 
um, retail channels um, within region and with you know similar to a lot of other markets, we have some big retailers that that dominate the market um, either in the you know in the pure play online sense or in a more of an omni-channel bricks and mortar scenario. So one of the challenges that a lot of the B two B companies have in this region is as a distributor or a manufacturer is that the channel conflict is still a really big issue um, and being able to um, you know have any relationship direct to customer is still uh, quite a sensitive topic and it's still not clear to many of them how they can participate um, in those channels um, but you know the last two years has seen a significant move in that area to start to want to own those channels but I think it's also um, a missed opportunity as well because um, I'm finding that a lot of B2B companies, um, just not just only in Australia but everywhere, can get quite fixated on the D2C opportunity. Yet, if you dig into their B2B business and their operations, there's so many opportunities to um, increase revenue with B2B customers and decrease, you know, operating costs through B2B technology and smarter automation um, within their existing core business. Um, and often that can get neglected as well. So I'm, I'm seeing that as a common trend. Yeah, in the in the in the uh, in the European in the US markets, um, I think the Corona time was uh, was a big um, uh, was a big push for B two B digitization strategies because uh, Fieldforce wasn't allowed to visit customers and many of the contacts that have been made before with handshakes uh, had to be made then via um, via Zoom or Teams. And I, I, my understanding is that in Australia, there was even a stricter COVID control. So really like 18 months, kind of a permanent lockdown kind of thing. Was, yeah, it, also, it, was. was it also then a, a huge push for the industry or was the contrary the case? No, definitely a huge push. Um, you know, really, really big boom uh, across yeah, enterprise and that mid-market and that SMB area. Um, I think, you know, the, one of the biggest benefits for the industry at B2B was that, you know, you, you had a lot of executives and, um, you know, senior leaders within the organisations have to stop and spend a lot more time um, looking at the, the digital experience and the commerce component and probably spend more time than they usually would on these types of projects and actually understand how these projects come together and what the, how the nuts and bolts come together um, and I think that's been really good because obviously yeah, more investment into that and understanding around um, these projects and these technologies um, can help move things forward. So that's always been a challenge in the past, but obviously when you had a small amount of revenue attributed to the online channel, it just wasn't a, a big enough focus for the, for the business. But when obviously when you increase that and then there's things that are fundamentally um, not correct or you have a weakness in an integration or a, or a bottleneck somewhere, and that gets magnified. People then want to solve that problem, um, and they start to, you know, invest um, in that because they can see the, the direct benefit. But obviously, yeah, down here there was we had no, they had no choice. They had to do something, right? So, uh, but I think people that hadn't invested were obviously caught out, you know, because they weren't as digitally mature to to, to capitalize. And now. Uh, post-pandemic, it's not really post-pandemic, but it's like post like the first couple of waves. Um, what are the top three challenges? Are B2B companies really are looking out for, hey, now I've understood that digital is like the, the, the thing to do, or are they rather focusing on the most recent supply chain issues um, that are actually ramping up again? Yeah, I think it's um, it's all of the above almost. Uh, you know, I just really look at it from 
different levels of digital maturity, you know, um, are you at level one or are you at level three, four or five um, in, in, in your journey? Uh, I think that um, that supply chain piece obviously got a lot of focus now because, you know, you need to have really good visibility on your inventory um, because the, the timeframes aren't consistent anymore. You don't know when um, this product is going to arrive or if it's going to arrive. So, you know, I'm doing a lot of work in the supply chain, the digital supply chain category now around getting that visibility um, and transforming the supply chain so you can start to, to, to see, get more visibility in what is happening and making smarter, smarter decisions around your demand planning. But, you know, but I think all those fundamentals are still there. Like product data is still a massive issue um, for a lot of customers. Um, a lot of B2B uh, companies can't, um, it's obviously, very, obviously a very unsexy topic that no one, no one often wants to own um, within an organization. Uh, but it's still still um, at the forefront of um, a lot of the challenges that that people are facing. And then, and if, and if you are di more digitally mature, you know you've got the the B two B companies who are looking at um, you know B two B marketplaces uh, or or ramping up their direct to consumer experience, um, being more sophisticated in the way they personalise and the way they use um, customer data across channels. Mm. And, and what would you say, like from an e-commerce perspective, and that's actually the market we you, you've worked in exactly. I'm still uh, I'm still working on the vendor side. What what, what are the um, what are the um, uh, yeah solutions they are looking into? So, what kind of problems they are still needing to solve? Is it still like the evergreen product data management thing uh, on B two B? Is it more now like really becoming a B two B marketplace, or is it something else? Uh, I think, I think the biggest challenge that they're facing is is still people. Uh, it's finding the right, getting the right people into the organisation um, that can help them make the right decisions. Uh, because obviously, you know, I'm sure you're aware, Alex. Um, you know, you experience it a lot where you've got the inertia uh, with a B two B company um, struggling to 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 move forward. Um, they want to do something, but they're not sure where to start don't fully understand it, don't have a key decision maker that can sort of traverse. I mean, the challenge of commerce and B2B especially is you need to be able to traverse across many different disciplines and have many different conversations to be an effective product leader um, within that environment. And obviously, yeah, B2B comes with its complexity. So very difficult for B2B companies to attract the right talent to come and work for them um, and get them into the business to be able to make um make some sound decisions. So I think that is still the number one obstacle um, for companies is structuring their teams correctly. Um, but then, you know, then it is really about, I guess, you know, things that are holding people back. Like I still think it is people not being able to line up, you know, their data correctly across the systems or having, or having a architecturally, uh, architecturally a model where they can't um, easily integrate or make changes um, um, across the air of their ecosystem of applications or customers, um, depending on what they want to do and what business models they want to they want to drive. My understanding always with this people problem or with this um, bottleneck in hiring um, the right talent was 
initially there were no structure at B2B or companies. So there was no like digital de department. So they needed kind of the, uh, uh, um, the um, uh, jack of all trades, uh, which is hard to find uh, um, always. Now we have in most B2B companies, we have structure, we have now a generation in the leadership that understands like e-commerce and digital challenges. But what I see still often is they do have a hard time to compete with um, B2C or big corporate like salaries or perks like remote work because many B2B companies are working very traditional. So I, I would argue there is no people bottleneck anymore. It's kind of still kind of a mindset, hi hiring mindset problem in uh, uh, in B2B company. That's very easy to say here where we, where we stand when you're like uh, in the middle of Australia looking for talent. But... I would argue there's talent around and you can, you can even hire like in the more or less name, the same time zone, like talent in the Philippines that definitely can help you out. But there's this kind of mindset is not there yet. Would, would you disagree? Yeah, no, yeah, I agree. I, no, I agree with that. Um, definitely. I think, you know, probably should have framed it more around, you know, if I think about it, a traditional B2B company, they're not working, they're not in a city. It's not a sexy product, maybe a brand that the, e-commerce leader has never heard of um, still could be big business transacting a lot of a lot of volume but um, you know attracting that person to come and work for them like you say it doesn't have the perks um, and the sexiness of a, a, a maybe a larger retail brand so you know you know coming to the table with the right um, story to attract that sort of person to come and work for you is obviously difficult for a b2b company and particularly when you're hiring for roles that typically you don't understand, right? So if I was high, if I'm, you know, senior leader at B2B manufacturer, you know, I understand what I need to, what, what good looks like from a sales manager perspective or an operations manager or a supply chain manager or a head of customer um, service. I, I know those roles, my whole business is built around that. Um, so it's, it's, it's finding that, that those, those new, those new bodies and, and, and having the right talk track to get them in is obviously difficult as well. Hmm. Okay. And, and, and uh, when we are going a bit further, now, let, let's say as a B2B company, you have solved like the initial challenges. You have now a team in place. You have now like the basic technology in place. You, you know how to uh, manage your product data, not in Excel sheets, but in like in a, in a, in a modern um, system. So how, what kind of progressive strategies do you see? in the market in, in in europe there's now a big peak in b2b marketplace uh, um, projects so we are seeing many of those projects because striker is um, the only integrated modern commerce software that is offering this kind of capability but is this also something like a mid-sized bb company in australia is looking at or is it a very different thing um potentially a little bit different uh so probably you know they have some of them look at it but they probably don't you know mid-market B2B company in Australia typically doesn't have the budget um, to go after a, a marketplace, a B2, to launch their own B2B marketplace model. Um, and, you know, uh, I say that not in the sense of the, the software component, more around the operationally, you know, what it means to onboard a number of suppliers and be able to, to manage um, that business model. Uh, but, you know, the ones that are more progressive, like, you know, I've got a, a good example in this region would be um, a brand like um, Signet, which is a packaging company, mid-market packaging company that's been really successful in their, um, their, their digital commerce strategy. Started out focusing on, you know, what I really like was focusing on their core operations of, of B2B and using that technology to enhance 
you know, their core business and developing that self-service experience, which allowed their salespeople to be a lot smarter with their existing B2B customers and to service them better, not necessarily about, you know, removing a salesperson and making it all digital. It was giving them more better exposure, better data to enable them um, to service them better um, and create a more personalized experience using the platform. But then they, they've evolved into targeting smaller accounts that they usually wouldn't target, you know, with a direct to consumer play. Um, and, you know, they've been able to onboard that long tail really, really well um, into their business. And probably where they're more progressive than most B2B companies is now they're really leaning into the brand side of things with their, with their digital channels. So really starting to create um, high content velocity um, with what you might say packaging or packaging might just sound to people or packaging is pretty boring, right? But they're really starting to market their brand um, and be quite progressive in you know the way that they talk to customers and get in front of them um, because they know that that is that's where their customers are. They're not in those traditional channels anymore. They're not they're not reading catalogs or you know waiting for an email from the sales guy. Um, that you know they they're hitting them in these in in these other channels to build their brand and start to be more personalized. But we can be honest here, right? So um, I totally get this argument that salespeople will have a different role in the future. Um, but um, many projects I've seen it, uh, kind of failed because just giving a salesperson uh, um, that was in the field before a tablet uh, with some with some information about the product and, and the customer usually doesn't work because the way how you must work with this kind of data is very different. So you, you need to become kind of an analyst data guy or girl in order to use it, in order to create really um, a tailored offer instead of having the same catalog for every customer and saying, okay, you're getting a like 3% discount, you're getting 5% discount based on your based on re recent order. And, and many people do have, especially like from the sales teams, do have a very hard time to, uh, to adapt. Plus, on the other hand, many agencies from the uh, digital ecosystem will come pitching the B2B companies saying, okay, you can save money on the sales side because it's getting much more automated and, um, and, um, and, and efficient. And obviously, we have a, we have a, a little conflict um, here, which is not easy to solve. And if, if I had to be honest, so for many salespeople, I would say, okay, look for another job. Try to become a data analyst and really become like the digital leader, which in most cases won't work. So look for another job. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, it comes back now to that, you know, what's the future of hiring look like for a B2B company? Um, do you, you know, in those roles that, you know, now you need to hire a new salesperson, do you necessarily look for someone that has industry experience in your category and is a traditional salesperson? Or do you start to look outside the square a little bit, a little bit left field and start to look for maybe someone who has technology experience and understands how to use systems. So I think, I think where a lot of this is going for a lot of companies is that, you know, you need to be really good inside the tools operationally to use those tools like you're describing. Um, those are the future um, people that are going to be able to succeed in these organizations is, is, that, is to be able to have that capability um, to sort of move between um, those areas. So, but I think, yeah, there's, 
you know, and if you're not if you're not wanting to lean into the conversation, I think that's a big challenge. Obviously, just all round when you talk about any B two B company wanting to invest more in digital and commerce is so obviously it can be a very uncomfortable conversation if it's something that you don't know much about. And I think there's a stigma out there that you know you you should know all this stuff now. It's 2022, and if you're in a leadership role or in a management role, that you should know something about digital and e-commerce. Um, and there's a lot of people out there who are too afraid to ask the dumb question or put their hand up and say, look, I actually don't know anything about this space. I don't understand what you're talking about, but you're better off to lead with that um, and learn uh, rather than, you know, I guess, put your head in the sand and, and think that it's going to go away or, you know, because if you don't have this, as, if you don't have it, that's why originally when I started the B2B Commerce Association, my goal was I wanted people to understand how the fundamental components of all of the systems in the architecture and the processes all came together. Because once you understand that, a lot of the things start to make more sense. So, because if you don't, I think you're always playing catch up if you don't understand the fundamentals and how they how they connect, um, which makes it difficult for people to just always never quite get it. Mm. Okay, and then, then you shortly mentioned about the uh, D2C challenges, um, but, or no, let's say the D2C focus. That is definitely a thing that came up the last 10 years that uh, many companies learned that, oh, maybe I don't need all the distributors. Maybe I can, I can uh, uh, market my products directly at a marketplace or uh, put out a, a website to reach, uh, to reach my customers. Um, Kurt uh, yesterday explained to me that there's like very successful strategies in the US where some B2B manufacturers focusing on a specific niche, building lots of content around it, um, and therefore getting traction, uh, even like from SEO channels or from Google. Um, is it still a, a big thing? Do Do many B2B companies like in your network become, do want to become a bit more independent and therefore trying out direct to consumer strategies? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, you know, particularly for private, you know, privately owned companies as well, where they're, you know, maybe they have a, um, a, a pathway that they want to sell their business in five years from now, you know, understanding that that direct to consumer data um, could, you know, have a significant impact on their valuation as a company and it can allow them obviously to to control their own destiny more and be able to have that um, a better understanding of maybe what their customers want um, from them. Um, but I think, you know, it's still a lot of challenges with direct-to-consumer model for their manufacturer or distributor, depending on really what their goals are. I guess if they're looking to replicate the volume of sales that they are in the B2B environment, um, typically that's going to involve a lot of discounting um, that they're not willing to do. But the biggest challenge that I find that B2B companies have in the direct-to-consumer model is that they're not very strong at um, marketing. So traditionally not very strong at traditional marketing, let alone digital marketing um, and all of those areas of discipline that you talk about, like you know SEO and paid media um, has become a lot more complex with the various channels. Um, and that social media and the branding that you need to do. Because in you know, my experience, and that was you know previous life that I had, I was setting up direct to consumers um, websites and doing that that component of the digital marketing operations. And it's the amount of content velocity that you need to create. Um, and you know, you need to be executing across all those areas very, very well in order to drive the outcomes that people want. Um, but I think the undervalued area of that of that effort is that 
even if you aren't getting those sales direct to consumer, maybe you're not discounting, you're still significantly enhancing and supporting your B2B sales um, in store by having a presence um, and doing that marketing because it's some, you know, we've got retailers, I'm sorry, B2B companies in Australia now, they can't rely on their traditional retail or house of brands to market their product properly because they're not getting the foot traffic that they used to get in the store. So they need to start to take over um, some of that marketing themselves. I've been at the Shop Talks Europe um, um, this week, uh, and one of the fancy topics obviously was again metaverse, IoT, augmented reality. Are these topics that are seriously discussed in your B two B environment? Certain, uh, <clears throat> I've seen it. I've seen it starting to pop up a little bit. Certain categories uh, where you know they're wanting to you know do a, some sort of in situ. Um, augmented reality, um, a VR experience, but um, still very, very early days um, for any of that stuff down here um, at the moment. So, but you know, there is a um, a partner in the the uh, the B 2 B Commerce Association um, that that does does that stuff quite well. Um, and you know, I was on a call with him the other day, and you know, he uh, there was a lot of uh, he's had a lot of growth, uh, a lot of major brands that like are looking, you know, experimenting. Um, with that technology so it'll be interesting to see where it goes okay but it's not like it's it, it's not consuming more than like five percent of time even like for the innovation manager in a b2b company i i'm glad to hear because i i even think that shouldn't consume more than one percent at b2c uh, um, companies yeah well yeah when you when you talk about all the other problems that were discussed here it's the it's it's one of those things isn't it though someone comes in with the the sexy proposal and um you know, and, you know, they're looking for, they're looking, people looking for this, always looking for the silver bullet, Alex, um, to, to move the needle. Yeah, I think yeah. the silver bullet is still like 10 years ago is still personalization. So I, we, we haven't yeah. achieved uh, like 10% of the level that was promised yeah. by the vendors like 10 years ago. So if we are getting a yeah. bit closer to what we've promised 10 years ago, then, then that might become the silver bullet. Yeah, I was, at, uh, you know, I was just talking to my wife actually before about personalization, how many brands that you think would be able to do it just still can't do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, even the big ones, even the ones yeah, with technical. The big ones. Technical, technical, yeah, technical yeah, yeah. And last question. So yeah. what, what the big thing is going to happen um, until end of this year, 2022, for the B2B Association? Any big events, any like big announcements to be expected? Yeah, um, it's, you know, going from strength to strength, it's really exciting. So, you know, we're getting more and more people um, from various parts of the world signing up and wanting to get involved in the community. So, you know, when I uh, launched it in 2020, uh, you know, the premise of that, um, of the model was there was going to be a lot of physical events. And obviously that, um, that didn't happen. So, you know, we're just getting started back on that um, at the end of the year. Uh, well, sorry, October, we've got our first um physical conference, um, you know, in, in partnership with a, an organization down here that runs a lot of um, popular um, online events. So it's called, um, well, sorry, in-person events, it's called iMedia B2B e-commerce summit in partnership with the B2B e-commerce association. So we're all heading up to the, the industry, heading up to the Gold Coast um, to get some sun and talk some B2B. So that's exciting, but the, the guys, you know, we've got a plan to start to roll that out into different parts of the world. Um, as we get some momentum and we've got some other networking events coming up. So yeah, we're just excited to have everyone leaning into the, to the idea. And, you know, we're looking forward to continuing to grow the network so everyone can, um, can benefit from it. 
Yeah, I, I usually I end this call saying uh, it would be great to see at one of the next events, but like the, the flight to Australia is such a long flight that it would be a lie, so it's very unlikely. But let's see, maybe we can yeah. make it. Maybe we can make it happen within the next twelve months. Yeah, yeah. Well, Chris, Chris, Chris will be there, yeah. so we have to get you down and uh, we'll put I, you on stage. I try, I try my best. Um, Brett, thank you for your time. Um, until next time. Mm-hmm.